In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. As you know, chapter 24 from the Gospel of St. Matthew is about two main events, the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the Temple and also the end of the world. So tonight we'll start from verse 29 to the end of the chapter. Before he spoke about uh, the great tribulation that will happen before the second coming of Christ and also the great tribulation happened before the destruction of Jerusalem. So when we read about the great tribulation, it happened before the destruction of Jerusalem and happened, it will happen again before the second coming of Christ. So verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the, the great tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So here the Lord from verse 29 is actually speaking about some signs of his second coming. Uh, if you read in verse 3 in the same chapter, the disciples asked the Lord this question, when shall these things be? When the end of the world will happen? So now the Lord is answering this question, when shall these things be? What are the signs of your coming to judge the world? The Lord Jesus Christ uses prophetic language to express the serious consequences of the day of the Lord. Day of the Lord, the day of his second coming and the end of the world. When all creation will signal the coming of the Son of Man. All creation will give signals that the Son of Man is coming. As we heard in verse 29, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is the same imagery the prophet Joel used in Joel chapter 3, a passage that St. Peter caught it in his sermon on the day of Pentecost. You can find this sermon in Acts chapter 2 from verse 19 to verse 21. Also the same imagery about sun will be darkened, moon will not give its light. You will find it actually in many books of the Old Testament, like in Isaiah chapter 13, Ezekiel chapter 32, Amos chapter 8, Joel chapter 2, Haggai chapter 2, etc. These signs may literally happen, 
literally maybe the sun will be darkened, moon will not give its light, stars will fall down from uh, heaven. After the destruction of Jerusalem, the causes began to work to lead to the great apostasy of the church. After the destruction of Jerusalem, many people who were believers got scared and denied their faith, denied their Christianity. And the church went through what we call the dark age of the church for few years after year 70 AD, the destruction of Jerusalem. So the believers here who are light to the world became darkened because they denied their faith, because they fall away, apostasy. And the stars, as we read in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, stars represent the great teachers of the church. So when we read the stars fall down from heaven, this may symbolize that again, before the coming of Christ and the great apostasy, some of the great teachers, the great leaders of the church, also they may deny Christ. That is the stars that will fall from heaven. This happened before the destruction of, uh, sorry, after the destruction of Jerusalem, and also will happen again uh, before the second coming of Christ. So many of the great teachers in the church denied their faith. St. Paul spoke about Demas, who loved the current world and left him. And also this will happen again in the apostasy, the falling away when people deny Christ before his second coming. Also these verses in which the Lord spoke about the sun will be darkened, Moon will not give its light, stars will fall down from heaven. Maybe the Lord Jesus Christ also is referring to the prophecy in Zechariah chapter 12 from verse 2, sorry, from verse 10 to 12, in which Zechariah refers to the death of the Messiah and the nations of the earth mourning his death. Also Daniel, in his prophecy, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, he spoke about the Son of Man ascends on cloud to take his place beside the ancient of days as the ruler of all earthly nations. The Lord spoke about these two prophecies, Zechariah chapter 12 and Daniel chapter 7, in verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. 
So the Lord spoke about three things in verse, in verse 30. Number one, they will see the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Number two, the nations of the earth will mourn. And number three, uh, the sun will come on cloud in great glory and honor. Zechariah, as I told you, spoke about how the nations of the earth were mourning. And Daniel spoke about how God ascended to heaven in clouds. And as he ascended on clouds, also he will come on the clouds. But what is the sign? The sign is the cross. And here, the sun will be darkened, but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ will actually shine in heaven. And all the earth will see the sign of the cross. St. John Chrysostom said, Therefore the sun hides its diminished head. So the sign will be the sun will be uh, as if hiding. The light of the sun will be diminishing. While the cross appears in glory. While the cross appears in glory. The cross will excel in brightness. Then all the rays that comes or that come from the sun. So the cross will be radiant with light while the sun is darkened. Why the nations will, will mourn when they see the cross and the Son of Man coming on the clouds? All the wicked shall mourn seeing their destiny, their, destiny, their condemnation. The cause of their wailing at the day of judgment will be mainly because they pierced Christ. They killed him. They rejected the Savior. And doing this, they deserve the condemnation that's coming upon them. So when they see Christ, they will start wailing and mourning. And as Christ ascended on cloud, he shall return in the same way. And every eye, every eye on earth, will see the Son of Man coming on clouds in glory. He will be visible to every eye and will be in splendor and glory. Verse 31. And he, Christ, will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. You know, there are seven trumpets in the book of Revelation. That's the last one. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now actually Christ is speaking about the gathering of the elect. And also in the Old Testament we read about the gathering of the elect in many verses, in Deuteronomy, in Isaiah, in Ezekiel. The, the sound of the trumpet is the sign of the gathering of the elect of God from the whole earth, regardless where they are, 
where they are scattered. And the four winds means the four quarters of the earth, north, south, east, and west. Verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. Now God is giving them a parable. He told them, when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. You know, the Lord was speaking to the disciples on the Mount of Olives. And in the Mount of Olives, there are many trees of olives, of course, but also there are many trees of fig. And the Lord spoke this before the Passover. It was springtime. And in the springtime, the flowers appear on earth. And the fig tree puts forth its green figs. So the Lord told them while he was sitting with the disciples on the Mount Olives, do you see these fig trees? You see how putting forth its leaves? And now you say, summer is at hand. In the same way, when you see these signs, you will know that the Son of Man is coming very soon. So when the fig tree begins producing leaves and puts it, it is a sign that the summer is coming. Also, some scholars said this, the fig tree represents the nation of Israel. So when the nation of Israel becomes tender and puts forth leaves, which means productivity will be high and they will get high steam, here on earth, you should know his coming is very close. As the Lord said in verse 33, so you also, when you see all these things, the sun darkens, that's apostasy, people fall away from their faith, the moon does not give its light, stars fall from heaven, which means we will lose our faith and many great teachers in the church and great leaders of the church will fall in apostasy. When you see all these signs, you should know that it is near at the doors. So the Lord proceeds to declare that the signs which he had given would be a certain an indication of the time of his coming. So as the fig tree putting forth its leaves, is the, this means the summer is very, very close. In the same time, when you see all these signs, you should know that the time of his coming is very, very close. Uh, so these words that the Lord spoke to his disciples, and by the way, he was seated for, with four disciples only in Matthew 24. These four apostles are representative of the whole church, of the whole body of the believers. 
uh, and those four disciples watched the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, and afterward, you know, the church, because he represents us, those who will survive to the second coming of Christ, they will watch uh, the second coming of Christ. Then the Lord said in verse uh, 33 again, so you also, when you see all these things, all these things, all these things refer to the destruction of Jerusalem and also refers to the second coming of Christ. So it does not refer only to the destruction of Jerusalem, but also refers to the second coming of Christ. Uh, and verse 34 is one of the most difficult verses in the scripture. The Lord said, Assuredly I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. The difficulty of this verse is that some interpret this generation, this generation is about 50 years. So they expected that in 50 years the world will end. But many church fathers interpret the word generation in different ways. Generation may mean the Jewish race. Not only those who were living during the time of Christ, but here the Lord is speaking about the Jewish race. So the Lord is saying, this generation, the Jewish race, will by no means pass away till all these things take place which means the Jewish race will continue to exist until the second coming of Christ and the end of the world. Because many people thought that with the destruction of Jerusalem, the Jewish race will disappear from the world. But when the Lord said this generation will by no means pass away, he was referring to the Jewish race will not disappear until the second coming of Christ. Uh, also, another meaning of this generation, the Lord maybe was referring to the generation of the believers because he spoke about the apostasy, apostasy falling away, people who deny Christ. So he said, but some people will remain. This generation, the generation of the believers, will remain until the second coming of Christ. Yes, apostasy will be very, very general, but some people will remain faithful to God during the Great Tribulation and until His second coming from heaven. Uh, so, the Lord is saying that the nation of the Jews will exist until his second coming and the end of the world 
and they will not disappear or totally be destroyed after the destruction of Jerusalem. But also the Lord is referring to the generation of the faithful, the Church of Christ, that will continue to exist until the end of the world. This actually matches what we read in Psalm 24, verse 6. This is the generation of them that seek the Lord. This is the generation of them that seek the Lord. So generation does not refer only to a certain period of time, but generation refer to a certain race, like Psalm 24, verse 6. This is the generation of them that seek the Lord. Then the Lord in verse 35 said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Here the Lord speaking with authority, extreme authority, supreme authority. He is saying that heaven and earth will pass away, as we read in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. This heaven and this earth will disappear. But the heaven and earth will disappear, but his words will be fulfilled. Heaven and earth, in our minds, they are the most stable and abiding things. But the truth of Christ actually will never fail. Even when the heaven and earth will pass away, the words of Christ will never pass away. Then verse 36 again is one of the difficult verses. But of that day, the day of his second coming, an hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. Why it is difficult? Because he said, my father only. In the Gospel of St. Mark, it is written, neither the angels nor the Son. That's why some heretics said, if Christ doesn't know the day of judgment, then he is not God. And also they added, the verse says, no one knows except the Father. So even the Holy Spirit doesn't know. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't know, then the Holy Spirit is not God. But definitely the Son and the Holy Spirit know about the day and the hour. Because the Son and the Holy Spirit are God. So we believe that Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are one, the same God. They have one nature, one essence, one substance, the same wisdom, the same knowledge, absolute perfection. So for sure, the Son and the Holy Spirit know. Then why the Lord said, even the Son doesn't know? The Lord is saying, this knowledge, he cannot share it with them. Yes, as God, he knows but this knowledge is not to be shared with the disciples. 
So the Christ here speaks to his disciples only as he was the ambassador of his father. So he is only to know what he is to make known to men. He only declares to know what he can declare to men. You know, in the Holy Trinity, there, is, there are speciality. What do I mean? Judgment belongs to the Son. As we read, the Father does not judge anyone. He gave all judgment to the Son. Seasons belong to the Father, as we read in Acts. It is not for you to know the times and the season which the Father has put in his own authority. So when we speak about the season and the times, it is the authority of the Father. When we speak about judgment, it is the authority of the Son. So since the seasons are not in the authority of the Son, then he says, I don't know. Although he knows them, but this knowledge not to be shared. St. Augustine said, he said he doesn't know what he will not make others know or what he will not reveal to them. So, what I cannot reveal to you, what I cannot make, make it known to you, then as if I don't know it. And by saying neither the son knows, he is suppressing the curiosity of his disciples. And he repeated the same question after his resurrection and the same answer in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, when he told them, it's not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has put in his own authority. And maybe if, the fa if he told them, I know it, but I will not declare it to you, maybe the disciples will feel discouraged because their master esteemed them unworthy to know such things. So he told them, neither the angels nor the son knows. Uh, verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. So he told them nobody knows the hour or the day. As nobody knew the hour or the day of the flood, and the people were not watchful, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. So he said, unfortunately, people who are not watchful, they will be busy with their daily life, business, until the day of the second coming. And as the people died in the flood, 
those who are not ready actually will not be saved. And here we can see some similarities between the words of the Lord with the words of St. Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Uh, when we read the Gospel of St. Mark and St. Luke, uh, they did not mention this reference about Noah or Lot. These were mentioned only in Matthew and Luke. Uh, sorry, Matthew. Not in Mark and Luke. Why? Mark and Luke wrote to the Gentiles. So they did not know the history of Noah. They did not know the history of Lot. That's why Mark and Luke did not mention the reference. But substituted with general warning to be watchful and in prayer. So these two evangelists, Mark and Luke, who wrote to the Gentiles, did not refer to a history, because this history was not familiar to them, the Gentiles. But St. Matthew, because he wrote to the Jews, so they know Noah, they know Lot. That's why he referred to Noah here. Eating and drinking means they spend their time in luxury attending to the needs of the flesh. But as then they indulged their appetites during the time of Noah, unmindful of the fate that was attending them, marrying and giving in marriage, very occupied and only occupied with the concern of this life, they were indifferent to the, what will happen to them, so the same scenario will be at the end of the world. People actually will be too busy, too busy until the second coming, or maybe until the moment of their death, the end of their life. Noah gives them many warnings for 120 years, but they did not lay Noah's warning to heart till it was too late to profit by it. And the same way in the, in the coming of the Son of Man. So these verses can refer to the desolation uh, of the world because it will be general and unexpected, or you can take it about the end of my life. Then the Lord told them, in verse uh, 40, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. These verses about two people doing the same task one is taken and one is left behind. Not only referring to the daily tasks, because actually, literally, in our daily life, this happened. 
maybe two persons working in the same uh, job, in the same place, one of them died suddenly and the other survived. So this happens. But also, it will happen uh, in the second coming of Christ. One will be taken to be with Christ, to be taken up to the clouds, to meet Christ on the cloud, and the other will be left behind. St. Paul spoke about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when he said, when Christ comes in the cloud, the believers will be taken up, will be caught up to meet the Lord on the cloud, and the wicked will be left behind. Unfortunately, some churches, especially the Protestant church, have interpreted this passage to suggest that the believers will be taken to heaven before the great tribulation and others will be left on the earth here to endure the final tribulation. That's what they call it the rapture. The rapture. And actually they made a series of books and movie called Left Behind. But the rapture will happen not before the great tribulation, but at the second coming of Christ, as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you remember in verse 29, after the tribulation of these days. So the rapture will happen after the tribulation, not before the tribulation. So this theory that the rapture will happen before the great tribulation does not match the teaching of the scripture. Because the second coming of Christ will be followed by the final judgment and of the righteous and the wicked. Second coming of Christ will be followed by the judgment. Not will happen before the great tribulation. Otherwise, Christ will come three times. First coming, another time before the great tribulation, and a third time uh, to judge the world. And of course, the scripture spoke about two comings, not three comings. But what, why the Lord was saying this? He was saying this to, t to tell us, be watchful. That's why in verse 42, he told, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. You don't know when your life will end on earth. You don't know when the world will end and you will see the, sun, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched it and not allowed his house to be broken into. So, in the same way, we don't, know, we don't know when the Son of Man will be coming. That's why we need to be watchful. Because the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You do not expect. So, the Lord is saying you need to be watchful and to be attentive to your salvation, salvation of your soul. Because 
we will not benefit anything if we have gained the whole world and we lost our souls. So, more and more the Lord is telling us we do not know the exact time. And because we do not know the exact time, we need to be watchful. And here the Lord is making a comparison between the unexpected event to a thief breaking, also to the Son of Man coming. And this comparison is mentioned five times. When the Lord said, His coming, the day of the Lord, will be like a thief, was mentioned five times. In Matthew 24, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 2 Peter chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, and Revelation chapter 16. So the Lord here is urging all of us to be ready, to be prepared, to be watchful for his, for his coming, either the hour, the hour of our death or the final hour for all mankind. When the Lord said an hour you do not expect, uh, it's like the budding of the fig tree. will tell you about the approach of the summer but not the exact time. In the same way, all these signs that the Lord mentioned will tell us to be watchful, but we will not know the exact day or exact year or exact hour. That's why any trial to try to figure out the year of the coming of the Lord or the day or the hour is not biblical. Then the last six verses of this chapter, the Lord gives them a parable from verse 45 to verse 51. He told them, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? So here is the principle of stewardship. All of us who are stewards. And as a steward, God gave us talent, gave us responsibilities. And we need actually to be faithful and wise in our stewardship. And usually I ask myself, why the Lord said faithful and wise? If you have a business and you want to, uh, to appoint a manager to run your business, a steward over your business, what are the most two important things you are looking for. Number one, a wise, a, a, a steward who will make profit. And number two, a faithful, a steward manager who will not steal you or take your money. If you have a faithful steward but not wise, you will not make any profit. If you have a wise manager but not faithful, yes, you will make profit but he will steal all your money. In the same way, these are the two important virtues that the Lord is looking in us as a steward, faithful and wise. And the Lord said, Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will make him ruler over all his goods. So, uh, the Lord wants us to be 
trustworthy, to be reliable, and uh, faithfulness and wisdom are very, very important characteristic in any Christian leader, any Christian leader. Whether you are a Sunday school servant or a clergy, God expecting or parent in your house, God expecting you to be faithful and wise, to feed the flock of God, to give them their spiritual nourishment in its new season. Sometimes you give them their food, but not in the proper time. For example, if you feed a very, very little child with a heavy meal, you are not giving them the proper food in the proper time. Or if you leave your son to starve and then you give him food, this would be sometimes too late. That's why the Lord said, in its proper time, as a leader whether, or a steward, whether in your house or in a church, a Sunday school servant or a deacon or a board member or a clergy, you need actually to attend to the needs of your people and give them their nourishment in its proper time, when they need it, as they need it. So, the Lord is telling us, if you are watchful, this will be your behavior. If you are expecting the return of God, this will be your behavior. And of course, if Christ came and find us doing our responsibility faithfully and wisely, yes, indeed, blessed is the servant. What happier destiny can happen to a man in a responsible position than to be taken while diligently and rightly performing his appointed work. And God will appoint him, as, as we read here, assuredly I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. Many people think that in heaven we will not have responsibilities. No, we will have responsibilities. The Lord said in the parable of the talents, you were faithful over what is least, I will appoint you over what's much. And now he's saying in Matthew 24, he will appoint him over all what he has. So when you are faithful here on earth, God will count you faithful in heaven and he will assign you responsibility. He shall make him ruler over, means also the permanency of occupation. Your responsibility here, if you are faithful in it, it will continue with you in, in heaven. So the work of the faithful servant does not cease after he dies. It will continue after his death, physical death, it will continue in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so what kind of responsibilities, what God will will give us to do in heaven, we don't know. It's not revealed yet. But definitely there will be responsibility in heaven. We don't know how God will reward when he said, blessed is that servant. We don't know how God will reward him. But St. Paul said, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the thing which God has prepared for those who love him. So we don't know either our responsibilities or our reward in heaven. But uh, 
God promised us many promises, and although we don't know what are the details of these promises, but his promises are true. Uh, then, in verse 48, the Lord gave us a description of a wicked servant, not a faithful and a wise. Verse 48, he said, but if that evil servant says in his heart, number one, my master is delaying his coming. Number two, begins to beat his fellow servants. Number three, to eat and drink with the drunkard. The master of the servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, at an hour that he is not aware of, and he will cut him in two, appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the evil servant, there are three characteristics of a bad servant. Number one, he is not waiting or expecting the coming of the Lord. He will say, my master is delaying in his coming. Number two, he governs with absolute dominion. He beats his fellow servant. He beats them, oppressing his colleagues, doing violence to the followers of Christ. Number three, he leads a bad life, does not love the company of the children of God. Rather, he eats and drinks with the drunkard, preferring the, tab the tables of the great and the rich, whose God is their belly, and thus feeds himself without fear. So the bad steward is the one who is not expecting the coming of the Lord, very abusive and violently oppress the children of God, and he conducts his life with the evil doers. Then the master, uh, those who are faithful, when the master comes, they will receive the blessing. But those who are bad and wicked, they will be condemned for their mistreatment of the servant. And what is the worst enemy to us? When we say the master is delaying, he's not coming now, so let me eat and drink, let me live as I want to live, away from watchfulness and faithfulness. Actually, this will make the person practices evil until the son of man come at our he does not expect. Uh, and this evil servant will be an enemy of Christ because he practices evil and also uh, he is expecting no punishment for all his crimes. But God will certainly come when this person is not expecting him and not prepared for him. And then he will be placed with the hypocrites. God called the religious leader of Israel, hypocrites. So as if St. Matthew is saying, the bad servant will be with the unfaithful uh, Jewish leader.
the hypocrites, whom the Lord rebuked when he said, What you uh, scribe and Pharisees, hypocrite. Then, who are the unfaithful people? We read in the scripture about the unfaithful Israelites who rejected the call of God. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him and became the children of the evil one. Also, the wicked who actually were invited to come to the wedding, to the church, but they did not put on the garment of the wedding. And they did not put on the garment of grace. They did not receive the sacraments of the church. They believed, but they did not actually receive the sacraments of the church. All these people in the final judgment, as we read, they will be cast into the outer darkness where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Wailing and gnashing of teeth is actually mentioned more than one time in the scripture. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, it was mentioned six times. Six times in the Gospel of St. Matthew, wailing and gnashing of teeth. This concludes chapter 24. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.